Welcome to the Rise to the Challenge podcast. Joy today, she's an indie pop artist, entrepreneur, and beauty mogul. It's Kingsley. How are you doing today, Kingsley? Good afternoon. I'm amazing. We're excited to have you on the show to talk about your rise to the challenge. What we like to do with our guests is go right to the beginning. Talk about where you're from and what were you involved in growing up? I am, was born in Chicago, but I grew up in a very, very small developing um, farming town called Plainfield. It's a like suburban area that like grew when we first moved there. It was maybe 10,000. And by the time I went to college, it was like 30,000. Um, my high school was so new. My name was the first name in the book. Like, <laughs> um and so I grew up in Plainfield and I did track and field. Um, I was a junior Olympic athlete. I went to nationals every year with AAU and USA um, for high jump. And so my life was really just like sports centered. Um, my mom owned a track club or still does. <laughs> and so all of my siblings, there's seven of us, um, all of us were just like this little track family. Um, but I got to do some music stuff in between there. It just like wasn't the center of my life. Athletics really was. Even though I loved music, I think my parents just love sports more. So, Did you enjoy living in that small kind of town then definitely different than Chicago, which is a much bigger town? I think now that I'm almost 30, I'm very thankful for where I grew up and the idea of my parents moving us to such a growing community and um, crazy opportunities. I mean, the district, I, I joke with people that I'm like, we had iPads that we took home, like when iPads were like brand new, you know, like, wow. you know, um, so that aspect, like education wise was really dope. There were moments that I'm like, no, this would not happen if I was an any inner city kid. Um, so I go back and forth. I think at this point, I'm going to rep Plainfield and be like, it was probably one of the coolest places I could have grown up in. Um, because yeah, I got my lifetime best friends are from there as well. So what made you enjoy track and field? Was there an <laughs> athlete or someone that inspired you to go down that route or what brought you to that area? No, I did not enjoy track. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> my mom going to see this. Um, I, I really loved, um, competition. I really hated practice. So on meet day, you can find me hyped up. I'm having a blast. I love the attention you get. <laughs> but practice was brutal. And man, we had this, um, I was on this team um, and we literally, our warm-up was called running to the lake, which is really, you start at this one point and you run this long field all the way to the lake. It's like a two hour or two mile this way and two mile back. That's the warm-up. Wow. Well, I see, I figured it out in between there, there was a porter potty. So I would just like run to the porter potty, hide in there for as long as I could take <laughs> and then get out of the porter potty and run back. <laughs> so, <laughs> didn't quite make it to the lake. But, um, and so, uh, because my parents were very athletic, my mom's a track and field in college. My dad did football. He was semi-pro. Like it was a very much athletic family. Like we do sports period. Um, and so I did a bunch of sports, but track and field was like our main squeeze because in the summer we would spend all summer long going to different States competing in the West coast games and Australia games and all that stuff. You mentioned you did high jump. What was your favorite part about doing high jump? 
Oh man, it's like this, it's a surfer feeling, you know, when they're like, you can only explain what it feels like to go in the tunnel, but like, you have to do it yourself, you know? Mm -hmm. And so like jumping, there's this like really brief moment that you literally feel unbound to gravity. It's like a, a split second of a feeling that you feel nothingness and no weight to yourself. And then bam, it's over. You've already, you know, flipped over the bar. Um, and that was, I, I loved that moment. It just, it, it just nourished my body in ways that I just cannot explain. So, yeah. I love watching that event because I, I go, if I tried it, I'm just going to flop <laughs> either underneath the bar or I'm just going to crash right it's into the It's called the Flowsberry Flop. So if you flop, <laughs> you're going to be fine. You're going to be great. <laughs> Is there a track event that maybe you didn't get the opportunity to try that you might've wanted to do? No. So I did them all. I ended up going to college specifically for high jump, but I was in, in the 400 hurdles, which I, there are 300 hurdles in high school and there are 400 freaking hurdles in college. And I only had to do the 400 hurdles in college for like point days. Like when we have big meets where we had to score points. Otherwise I was like, please don't force me. <laughs> Um, cause practicing for the 300 hurdles, you do 400 hurdles and practicing for 400 hurdles, you do 500 hurdles. And I'm like, I don't like that. <laughs> I don't want to do it. Um, but I got to do, I was a heptathlon athlete. I've done pole vault, shot put, discus. You kind of get to do everything. And, and, um, when you do so much to your body, um, at a very young age, I started doing track and field when I was like third grade. Um, you, your knees start to like give out pretty, pretty young. And so I developed jumpers knees. So they were basically like pick two events. You can't do triple jump, long jump, high jump and hurdles. It's just too much. Um, so I was like hurdles, high jump, period. Was those kind of issues with your knees over time, a reason maybe you stopped doing track and field or you didn't like kind of go professional in a way? Um, I stopped doing track and field my junior year of college and I had transferred to a new school and I had met with the, the head coach and I was getting all of my stuff together and I was going to red shirt for that year to get caught up with them. And, and I had a moment where I just thought to myself, it, it, there was other complications too. Like I was dealing with some heart palpitation issues and all this. And so I just had this moment when I was like transferring and I, I was like, what if I didn't do track and field? And it was like a really crazy paradigm switch with my parents. Cause I'm like, I'm grown, I'm 20. I don't have to ask you, mm-hmm. should I do track yeah. and field in college? And, he, um, and I just, yeah, I, I, before I started school, I told my mom, I'm like, Hey, I'm not, I'm not going to do track and field anymore. I'm going to I'm going to take on a second major. I'm going to get a business degree with my music degree. And I think because I phrased it that way, she was okay with it. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to do more. I'm going to add more to my plate, but it won't be track and field. And it it was really just like you, get, I got to the point in my life where I was living my li- life for my parents and it wasn't fulfilling me that I'm like track and field is really, really dope. But like when I finish college, I'm not going to the Olympics. I don't want to go to the Olympics. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, so why am I still doing this? No one's ever asked me like, how high can you jump in an interview ever? (laughs) You know? Um, and so when I was making that switch over and just deciding what I love and what, what is good for me, it was to let go track and field. So during this time, you mentioned that you're kind of doing it for your parents. Were you worried at any time that if you quit that there could be repercussions or, did like your siblings have that same struggle also where 
they were worried about that too. I was the golden child and I don't know why (laughs) I put that on my shoulders because my siblings, none of them went to college for track and field. Like they just didn't care what mom and dad and I was just like, we, I have to carry legacy. No one told me to. And what legacy am I carrying? Like, <laughs> they're not professional athletes. Like, um, and so I don't know. I, I, and I enjoy things like my parents are very much, uh, if you follow their rules, they'll give you lots of things. And I love gifts. That's my like love language. So I'm like, I'm going to do whatever you say. Cause I like, gifts. <laughs> I'm a very suited child. Very easy. And I'm still like that in my adulthood that I'm like, oh yeah, I'm grown. I don't have to do what mom and dad say. <laughs> I do whatever I want. <laughs> you talked about when you were growing up, you didn't get into music completely, but what kind of music were you into growing up? Oh, great question. This is hilarious. So I had a pretty strict upbringing where I was allowed to listen to gospel or Disney. And so I leaned so hard into Disney because they didn't monitor what it was because it was Disney. So I was like Demi Lovato, Selena Gomez, Jonas Brothers, Hannah Montana, like Camp Rock soundtrack. Like I was, I was sweating Disney. Um, And I got to, in my last music video that I shot, I got to dress up as Nick Jonas and be in the Jonas Brothers. And it was like my life coming back to full circle. (laughs) Yeah. Is there a song that is very iconic that you could listen to for days out of the Disney group that you listen to? So I guess Demi Lovato's Get Back would be, yeah, Get Back. Or Did You Forget? That's a good one. Yeah. I could listen to it and it would just bring me right back and then I'd restart it and... (laughs) It, that was really how I like learned how to like write emotionally charged songs, you know, the way whoever wrote it for her, <laughs> I was like, great, amazing. Um, As I asked that question, I was trying to think of the Disney songs that I could listen to. And the only thing I could think of was get your head in the game at High School yes! Musical. And I'm like, that <laughs> it was so iconic at the time because when that movie hit everyone in my school watched the premiere of it and you go in the next day and everyone's talking about it and it's just those songs that those individuals like people still get asked like they always reference those songs because it was such a big part of their career yeah yeah it it really the writing just really changed I don't know if it was like do like rent um, being this new iconic rock musical kind of a thing that like shifted Disney into doing something um, a little bit more edgier, but yeah, it it was it was icon. There's so many songs that I'm like, I can't believe this was just for us. This our, <laughs> our generation. I can't believe it. <laughs> the Disney can't do anything that will top that kind of time frame Ooh. because it's like that was such in time, and then it's like everything is so changed nowadays. So. We get to enjoy the time that we've listened to all of those. Yeah. We're always asked sometimes, what's our dream job? What was that dream job for you? This, yeah, being being Kingsley. I I used to practice. This is hilarious that I'm telling you because I've never told anyone this. I used to practice unrolling my thank you um, note in my pocket, in my dress pocket, so that when I got on stage at the Grammys, 
I wouldn't fumble. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I'm going to be prepared so that I don't look brand new at this. Like, why was I doing that as a 10 year old? (laughs) I don't know. Um, So doing Kingsley, it's been, it's, I could tell you that my seven year old self is just like, fangirl amazing were you always creating this brand in college like as you were playing or doing track and field and then after your junior year not doing track anymore and going music and business was this brand identity being created during that time it came so naturally that I can't even pinpoint a moment that I was like, oh, this is the brand. This is the thing. So picking the name Kingsley was way back in sixth grade when I started my band with my sisters called Heartfilled. We were going to be like the girl Jonas Brothers. <laughs> and um, my sister had a tambourine and my other sister played the guitar. Um, and so when we were picking our band names, my mom was like, you don't have to be what I named you. You could, you could be whatever. And so we go downstairs and we're Googling names and we're like picking. And my sister picked Sage and my other sister picked Phoenix. And I'm like Googling and I hate every name. And so I Google boy names and Kingsley popped up. And I was like, that's it. It, I, it felt like another lifetime that I'm like, that's the name that I'm supposed to be or whatever. And um, I released my first song as Kingsley my senior year of high school, but I'm not really like brand identity or anything like that. Um, my cover artwork literally looks like a wannabe Taylor Swift. I'm like holding the guitar <laughs> to my head, but there's no guitar in the song. I don't know why we did that. Um, and then I get to college and I get this business degree and then I moved to Portland and I'm like shaping my identity for Kingsley and like the color palettes and the the crowns and the very much gaudy pop, that stuff, I couldn't have been taught in a textbook. I just picked it. I liked it. I picked it. And now that I'm like looking at all of these new ventures that I've done in life and what my brand looks like, I'm like, damn, I did a good job. I had no idea. I was just like, I'm only going to do purples. I'm only going to dress in golds. Like these are my things because I like them, but turned out to be some really dope branding. I love that you mentioned that a textbook couldn't teach you that, that you kind of had to go on your own and kind of figure this out in the real world and stuff. And I think it, cause you learn so much more about what you want, what you think you need and things like that. And it's kind of inspiring that people that are listening to this, that are maybe going through that similar experience. They can try that technique and see what they come up with. And it kind of sounds like you got a lot of creativity in coming up with the different brand identity aspects. Yeah, I think it will feel more authentic if you just try it. Like if your favorite color is pink, wear pink every day and post a photo on Instagram. And people will be like, your brand is amazing. (laughs) Just wearing pink every day, (laughs) like some aspect of pink, but thank you. Talk about that first song that you mentioned in high school. What was like the theme and message of it? And was it kind of like, did you expect to come up with a song like that during that time? I think it was like a proving to my parents that um, I can do music. I think they knew I liked to sing and they knew I wrote songs, but I don't think they like uh, conceptualize like your, your daughter wants to do music. And so we talked my dad into buying, um, what is that recording? gosh now they have Ableton and Pro Tools but the one before that I think it's like Live 8 we talked my dad into buying Live 8 and a little $50 microphone and we like plug it up to our computer and me and my sister are like I'm reading the book to her and she's like learning how to do it 
And we record the song. And in the song, you can hear one of my little sisters running upstairs screaming because like we couldn't get it <laughs> as quiet as possible. Um, and it was called Lie Detector. And it was about <laughs> this boy who I had a crush on who like constantly lied to me, but in ways that it's like, I know you're lying. So like, who cares? Don't lie. And I wrote a rap part and I needed a rapper. So I just asked my little brother to do it. And so it was like a Jackson five production, hilarious. And my uncle, we like, he mixed and mastered it um, for us because he works in in the music industry and showed my parents. And I think they were just like, okay, wow. So, but it was, it felt like really, really good. And, uh, proving to myself that when I go to college to do music like I have I have something to give to the world I just need to be taught more about it like I you you need mentors and masters and going to LA like I wanted to at 18 now when I had this product I was like okay no I need to go to school and learn more about composition and recording and all these things um yeah is that song out in the public for fans (laughs) to hear right now I'll send it to you. <laughs> oh, I was like, maybe they just need to do a remastered version. Where, oh, no. Like, I don't even back. know where the stems are. We'd have to like start from scratch. I have no idea where those stems are. <laughs> who are your music idols? Like, who do you kind of look as mentors and kind of vision yourself as going similar in their direction? Not maybe step by step, but like maybe your music um, the instruments that are played, the lyrics that you use kind of in their styles. Yeah, it's such a tough question because I go through phases where I really like one artist and I really like another artist. And I don't think I've followed an artist all the way through their career other than like Beyonce. That's a person that I've started with Destiny Child and I've seen all of the morphs and how she moves in the industry now. Um, So her, because man, if you can put out a visual album without any promotion and charge it on HBO, you're my icon. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I think like in in writing style, I really love soft pop. I think Chelsea Cutler and her team of writers is incredible. Jesse Reyes is an incredible writer. Um, For like styles of music. I don't know. I like, I like so many weird I like cookie cutter pop. I think that's my issue. I'm scared to tell you. I like really cookie cutter pop. I think it's important. I think it's a staple. I think it should never be let go. Um, so yeah, it's hard for me to just pick. I think when I was younger, my influences were really like, I loved Alicia Keys. I loved the way that she phrased words together. I love the notes that she picked with the words. I thought I, that to me, I was like, man, she really picked these notes to say I keep on falling like ooh um I thought Usher is just musicality incredible I really loved Mario the way he wrote so yeah those are my few my few gems I'm so fascinated by this cookie cutter pop if if someone's listening to this and they have no idea an artist in that what is like a name artist that would be under that kind of brand okay let me just pull my spot up (laughs) (laughs) So I'm there's so fascinated. one really good one that I keep, it's called phases. And if this artist doesn't think they're cookie cutter, then I apologize. 
It's called the the band is called Pretty Much and it's phases and the chorus is like I'll go do the dee da 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 da. It's like very much. It's very. It sounds like very upbeat tempo, kind of like very positive, like energy and things like that. Yes, but it's a sad song, and I, I love those. That's cookie cutter pop to me. It's like, ooh, what did he say? <laughs> but I'm still snapping. <laughs> Is there a gig that really kind of was like a big breakout moment for you? Like, I can do this. Like, this is what I was made to do. Oh, man. I guess yesterday was really cool. (laughs) I think I get, I get, I have always loved the stage. And I, I have these moments where I just am like, man, I can't believe how dope that was. And I think if I had to like pick all the way back in the day, probably like my fourth grade talent show, I sang Falling by Alicia Keys. I didn't win. It was, it was not good. But I remember being on stage and closing my eyes to sing a part. And it's kind of like that high jump moment where it's like indescribable. It just feels right. Mm-hmm. It just feels natural. It just feels so, so blissful. And I, I always have loved the limelight, the stage, the stage. I just love the stage. I think it's awesome. You talked about music video. When you're coming up with a concept, talk about that process and how long does it take you to prepare for that and what goes on during the creation of it? Yeah, I have the honor of working with a local all-Black female team or POC um, team Um for the last three music videos that I did, I worked with them and cryptic films has been just one of the best things that could have happened to my career. Um, so the director Cameron, who also edits and, um, her amazing, um, uh, I'm going to say wife cohort person, um, Riley, they both will sit on a zoom call. We'll listen to my song and I'll give them just idea after idea after idea. And then they'll be like, okay, what can we realistically afford? (laughs) These are amazing. Let's tune this back. And so when I was doing my first music video, I'm fine. I told them I wanted to have a all black crew, all black cast. I want to work with black then like my clothes, everything, everything black, because here in Portland, it's such a hard thing to have that I'm like, if I can do it, I can inspire other people to seek it out. And um, my best friend choreographed the dance moves. It was, it was so dope. It was amazing. I got to work with a black designer and preparation for that, because it wasn't like any of my other videos where I'm just like sitting on my bed and they like pan the camera or something. We're like dancing. And I'm like, Ah, and so I had like a lot of Zoom because it was during COVID. A lot of Zoom dance rehearsals with my best friend. I had to have um, this is hilarious, sexy camera coaching because that is a thing. I had no clue, but I had to like look at film myself doing something and then fix my body so that it like translates well on camera. Like what? Um, what else did I do to prepare for that one? Yeah, just getting more comfortable with my body um, and radiating confidence. That was really awesome and fun. And so that one was really out of my element. And then the second one that I did called Therapy, it was this artsy, crazy film where I was frolicking in the forest with a princess purple dress on and chasing my prince. And that was all of Cameron's idea. She just was like, I think we should do something crazy. Like you get thrown in a labyrinth. And I'm like, yeah, amazing. Let's do it. 
And most of the time, it's like a lot of meetings, which kind of sucks, but like checking off, do we have the shot by shot list? Is there something that we're missing? Is there something that we're not getting? Will the viewer understand this or will they not? Um, what's the editing going to look like? It's it's a lot of boring stuff. I wish people, would, it's the creative part is when you get to hit action and then you can go and do your things. But all before it, it's just like a lot of Zoom calls, a lot. When you look at the final product of it, are you very hard cr- criticizing the things that are happening? Like, oh, I wish I did this better. Oh, we needed to redo this. Or do you kind of think from a viewer or a listener and see what do they understand from your music video? And can they c- understand what's happening and know what you're trying to produce? What a good question. I don't think I, especially in these last three videos that I got to work with, um, Cameron and Riley, I, I, I don't think I once watched it and said, I wish we would have, because we did so many edits where I was like, do we have a different take for this? And we were doing so many takes in the day with so many things so that, um, nothing, nothing was skipped over the, I pretty much watched my videos back in awe. I'm like, I can't believe I created this. <laughs> so cool. And what people grasp or don't grasp when they're watching my music video is none of my business. It's the same thing with my music, right? It's all in my head and what I want. And so if they don't get that, I'm like a fairy princess running through the forest, trying to find someone to save me, then okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. It's in the description too, but okay. (laughs) In those moments, like if one person views it and they understand what you were going for, but another person views it in a different way, are you kind of like, that's interesting that they thought it this way. That's different than this other point. Oh, I love that. And I, and it happens with music too. I'm like, Oh, I love that. When they're like, Oh, I, I related that song to this thing. And I'm like, not what I wrote it for, but really, really, really dope. Like super dope. Yes. And, and make it your own take and, and indulge my art in a way that is good for you um, and understanding for you. Like people I, will always be like, you sound like this artist. And I'm like, I really don't. But if that's what you need to connect me to you, amazing. Amazing. See, I like that because even nowadays with songs, like you have the artist and they think I'm going to write and it's going to be this message. Then they put it out there and then you just see the comment section of what people think. And you're like, oh, that's interesting. And it's almost like even with like interviews that I do and what my guests say and they're like different ways that they're interpreting it. And it's like, I didn't understand. I wasn't thinking that at the time, but now re-watching it, it's the same way. I think it's just, it. I mean, does it help you as a creator to come up with maybe, oh, I can try this for a future song or future lyrics um no because it's my art (laughs) in reality it's like the coolest thing to have someone spin your stuff whatever way they want to spin it but like I'm for me when I create it's usually me writing to help myself get over something or help myself feel something or and so I have I just now started writing not really love songs, but sexier songs for my next album. And it was so out of my element because I always write about my heart hurting and stuff that I couldn't even imagine myself if someone was like, write this line for me. And I'm like, I'm trying to experience it, but I (laughs) I cannot do it. During this time, were you always trying to find what's next for Kingsley, like going in a different direction? I have music, but I want something else to experience. 
Yeah, I shout out to COVID because I have gotten to do so many things that I had never imagined or even uh, knew was possible. Um, you, you only know music to be like on stage, on tour, super celebrity, right? There's like yeah. not a lot of things that we know that happens. And like, there's so many different um, levels when it comes to music. There's like the band, there's like the music business, there's the music industry. You, you, there's so many different things. And um, because of COVID stopping my base knowledge of what the music industry, entertainment industry is, um, I've gotten the chance to like explore and play in in the world that I never knew I could be a part of, which is like the um, lipstick collection that I have or working with locals for I have a bath bomb. I have these new pendants, this amazing, beautiful um, healer is making for me. But like there's so many things that I'm like, wow, I had no idea um, I could get to do this. All I knew is I could write songs and sing, you know. Talk about your entrepreneurial journey with the beauty brand products. The beauty industry is very crowded. And what do you feel that your products make you stand out in yeah. the industry? So it is crowded and, and and it's a lot of hogwash. And I think um, the thing that sets me apart from like others like Fenty or Rare Beauty by Selena Gomez is that my collection is tied specifically to a song. So it's not just putting on the lipstick and feeling like Kingsley. It's putting on the lipstick and embodying the music. It's, it has nothing to do with me as a person. It's my music. Um, and I think that that sets me apart from this very crowded. There's so many um, lashes by, nails by. All, you know, every person is making their own, which is incredible. We need, a, we need individuals instead of big boxes. And I think having these products connected specifically to my music. Um, It's even doper because I get to talk about my songs when I'm not performing. I get Mm -hmm. to talk about my, like my lipstick collection when I am performing. Like I just, I get to talk about it all the time um, and, and keep sharing my music, even though that album was out last year, you know, I think albums have a lifespan of like three months now or And so I still every day get to talk about, oh, this album, I have three lipsticks from these specific songs, you know. What's been the reaction of people when they utilize your products? Yeah, all across the board, it's been for me so important to see how many different colors of skin types it looks amazing on. And that was the most important thing I wanted to have happen. I didn't want the collection to be just for my skin tone. While I think my skin tone is important to have colors that look very beautiful on, I want every single skin tone to find beauty in these products um, because we can, and and it's easier to do. You know, you just got to research a little bit more. And yeah. Do it. Um, and so just watching people, um, I worked at market where I was doing selling the lipsticks and I, we do lip demos while we're doing it. I don't do them. The person who owns my lipsticks, she does the lip demos. I do the talking. I don't, you don't want me close to your, I can do my makeup. That's it. Um, so we're, I'm talking to her while she's getting her lips done and we finish and she like looks in the mirror and literally cries. And she was like, it has been so long since I have felt beautiful. And I just looked in the mirror and I was like, it's my heart my heart that is what I that is what I needed today thank you for that it's it's about everyone finding beauty finding beauty listening to some crazy music 
You talked about you have bath bombs, lipsticks, pendants. Is there anything else or is there any? So pendants are coming. Pendants are coming. Yes. They're going to be hopefully tied to my live album. And so I'm stripping back this crazy pop crying on holidays album. And I'm, I'm going to put seven of my favorite songs from that album with this pendant. It's, it's, the album is called still crying and it's about healing. Um, you know, you got to get it all out and move forward. When you mentioned that for a moment, it kind of made me think about, I saw this product on shark tank where it kind of gives the fans more involved with that artist. Is that something where you're going for instead of them buying like a CD or it's on a playlist, but it's like a tangible item that really connects your songs, the lyrics, the song titles with that item. And it kind of makes them think about King. Yeah. Yeah. And so it it really came from COVID and because I had this album that I was going to put out and I, it didn't feel right. Just putting it out on Spotify. I'm like, I'm not well known enough for me to just put a $10,000 album out. It doesn't feel good to me. Um, so how long should I hold on to this? <laughs> you know, uh, how long is COVID going to be like, we don't know. And, um, and so what initially sparked this idea was when I rate, when I did my Kickstarter, one of the tiers was having a listening party. And at the listening party, I would have three cocktails with three of the songs. So you paid for this thing, you get three different cocktails that will be given to you while we play that song to basically like embody um, my song and a cocktail. And so that's how it originally started. And it kind of progressed into this crazy thing. When the lipsticks came, I wrote an actual cocktail book where each song on my album now is paired with a cocktail so that I could still give it to the people that paid for the Kickstarter. And now I have this other product. And so that kind of spiraled into me making a podcast and each person that like helped me with the song, whether it was a music video person, whether it was the producer, whether it was the co-writer, whether it was um, the person who created the cocktails with me, I was, and my band, you know, each episode had got to have someone, um, which spiraled into another thing. And I think what I keep learning about myself and like why I keep doing it is there's so many more things that you miss out on when you listen to the song. There's just so much happening in the background that you just don't get. And the more I can share the story, um, the more I can get a deeper connection with people. And it's not even just like, like people that I don't even would, would have never gotten to connect with if I didn't have this lipstick ever. Yeah. Chances of them going Kingsley on Spotify, like no, never. And so I, I think that it, got to the point where I wanted just deep connection um, while we were in COVID and some way, somehow I got what I wanted. And, and now it's really awesome that I like from an entrepreneurial mindset, I can keep spinning my projects out, like take it as an acoustic album, make it an EDM album, make it stripped down the same freaking songs. Now it's with lipsticks. Now it's with a bath bomb. Now it's with, and it's the same freaking songs. I'm not doing reinventing the wheel, you know? Do you ever get at the times where you're doing so much that it's taken away maybe from your personal life? Or do you feel that it goes with each other so well, but you enjoy, you're happy to wake up to work on your collection, your songs and everything? I got a shout out to COVID again. I got really good at saying no 
and I had an excuse because of COVID, right? No, I can't do that. I have to rest. I have to. And now that I have that habit, I'm never letting it go. So I have a rule. I don't look at my phone before 9am. I just don't look at it. There's nothing I need to see, period. Um, I don't look at my phone after 8pm. I just, I don't, I turn my phone on, um, on Saturday mornings, airplane mode. My parents know, like, nobody dies on Saturdays. That's the rule in our house. You could do it any other day, just not on Saturdays. Most phone is off. Um, I, I have, and I do things every single day that like recuperates myself and allows me to have personal life experiences. So I'm not, I don't feel that anymore. And when I feel myself start to creep that I'm like, Ooh, I'm working a little too, 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 too hard over here. And I need a little bit more play. I just wrangle it right back, wrangle it right back. During your music career and your entrepreneurial journey, what's the biggest thing it's taught you about yourself? What a question. (laughs) (laughs) I'm never stumped. What has this taught me about myself? I guess Kingsley was this um, pseudo person that I had created. She was strong and confident and brilliant and fearless. And then there was Mo. And so when I got off stage and I got home and I showered, I went back to Mo. And I didn't like that. I was like, why can't Mo be Kingsley? Why can't Mo be? And COVID again, I had, we weren't doing shows. I was literally just sitting at home with myself every damn day. And I was like, if I don't, I'm not going to get strong from COVID. I'm not going to the gym like these gym people. I'm not, I'm going to get mentally strong. I'm not doing the physical. And I just kind of, and I keep pushing myself um, to, 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 make Mo be more brave or get Mo more out of the comfort zone um, and be more like Kingsley. So it's not really like I take a mask off at the end of, you know, my nights. And I have found that to be so blissful, so much brings me so much more joy in life, um, makes me more playful with my relationships. Um, And I don't feel exhausted that I'm like playing a character and then coming back to, you know, a different reality. So I think that's what I've learned the most that, and I'm thankful, thankful to Kingsley. I don't know why I, I picked a pseudo name and I built this iconic person in my mind, but I am forever thankful to make that life for myself and then move my, my normal self towards it. So what does the future look like for you? What are you hoping to accomplish both personally and professionally in the next few years? Yeah, I am. I'm trying to get out of the country in September. Hopefully that permits. I'm out of here. I want to go tour over there, see what's popping, see what's shaking. Um, I really want, I, I, I've always said, I'm a pop star. I'm a pop star. I'm a pop star. I'm a pop star. I really want pop star lifestyle. I, I think it's beautiful. I think it's great work. <laughs> and um, I know it will be very rewarding. So I think that that's where I'm just going to keep trekking myself towards. The final question I'll ask you for someone that's listening to this interview based on your journey and experience, what tips or advice would you give them to overcome obstacles, accomplish their goals and rise to the challenge? Yeah. It's so weird to just say, just start doing it and you'll figure the rest out because fear is, is a really big factor. That's why they have the show fear factor. So if you cannot find it in yourself to do it, find a partner, a group, a mentor, a community to push you to do the things. 
everyone in my circle are heavy hitters. They're, they're my best friend just wrote a Latina business book. She's on tour right now. My other best friend plays for Big Wild in his band, and she's an incredible rock star herself. My other best friend's an incredible dancer who's going to school in the UK. Like, if 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 you want to do incredible things and you can't step out of fear yourself, find that find that circle that if you don't do it, you're going to be looking like, oh, yeah. what am I doing? Well, Kingsley, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about your rise to the challenge. You're inspiring so many people and we're excited to see what the future looks like for you. Thank you so much. Great questions. I can't believe I got stumped. I thought it was awesome. (laughs) So awesome. Appreciate you. Tune in next time you hear my next guest talk about their rise to the challenge. Remember to follow, subscribe on all major audio platforms and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel to see the full length episode and video format. What path do you take to accomplish your goals? You decide.